Praise the Lord. Well, got a subject for you today. Um, it's called the church. Um, it's an interesting subject um, because when you look at the definition of church, um, it has more than just one definition. Um, when you talk about the church, are you talking about um, a local body of believers? Or are you talking about the bride of Christ as a whole? Uh, the bride of Christ that is going to be joined together with the bridegroom one day. As we look forward to that great marriage that will take place between the bridegroom, Jesus Christ, and the bride, the church. Things that we as believers have to look forward to, that we're a part of. But as a born-again child of God, we are a part of the bride. That's who we are. Matter of fact, Paul makes reference to that many times in his letters. But we do make up the bride of Christ. Well, what about these local assemblies? Well, the Apostle Paul, on his missionary journeys, when you go read the book of Acts, um, his first, second, and third missionary journeys uh, that Paul started on, churches were planted all throughout the regions uh, throughout the different countries and the lands and so local New Testament churches local bodies of assemblies of people begin to spring up all over the place and then you fast forward that and you move past those days past even the days when John was on the Isle of Patmos in the book of the Revelation and you move on past those days and you begin to move through the centuries and the church has always kind of been there it wasn't up until the 15th or 16th century that the church began to kind of become a subject. It became a subject of discussion to where people now began to discuss the church and what the church looked like, and what the church was composed of, and what the, what the church was made up of, uh, was made up from. And so as you move from the 15th century into the 16th century, things begin to change. There's an individual by the name of William Carey. I don't know if you've ever heard of William Carey. William Carey was one of those who persevered in the faith. Matter of fact, there is a college that is named after William Carey in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. It's called William Carey College. Yes, that is the same William Carey. And then you have individuals like William Tyndale, uh, one that was responsible for when it came to translations and those type of things of which the Tyndale Bible and many of the things that come from Tyndale are owed back to William Tyndale himself. And then you find guys like Adoniram Judson. I don't know how many of you read biographies, but I read a lot of them. Uh, matter of fact, I love to go back and read uh, biographies that are written on these ones that went before us. Adoniram Judson, missionary to the Burmese. And uh, when you go read his biography, it's just it's it's fascinating to read because I'm gonna tell you something, it was nothing but struggles for him. Absolute struggles. Every time he turned around there were struggles. There were struggles here, there were struggles here, but he persevered and to this day the gospel continues to grow among the Burmese people uh, as a result of the persevering and the faithfulness of Adoniram Judson not to quit when things got difficult. How about Lottie Moon in China? Lottie Moon was involved in China. I mean, let me, let me, let me just share this with you. The list just goes on and on and on of ones who have gone before us, ones who have gone ahead of us, those who have charted the course for us. And, and so when we think about the church today, what you and I 
sit-in week after week came as a result of many of those who have gone before us. And so you and I today, I can tell you, the church that we see today is considerably different than what it was in the 15th, 16th, and 17th century, even the turn of the 1800s, even into the 1900s, and if that's not enough, even from the 70s, the 80s, and the 90s. Those who were involved in church in the 70s and 80s and 90s, your mind goes back and you remember some of those days. But the church is at a point today to, it has become a very hot topic and a very debated subject, especially since we have come post-COVID. And I hate to use that as a, as a point of departure, okay? Why did, why did COVID generate or why did COVID uh, create such a, a question concerning the church? Let me tell you what it did. It just kind of catapulted us to a point that has caused us to have to step back and kind of relook and look at what we're doing and what we've been doing as a church. So it is a very much spoken of and a very critical subject today. I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 19. Now before you go off, I said, oh no, he's going to Hebrews He's going to Hebrews 10.25. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as a manner of some is, but even so much the more as you see the day approaching. Just hold on. Okay. And I know some of y'all already said, well, I don't have to be in church every time the doors are open. Okay. Not going there. Okay. We're just going to look at the scripture. Okay. Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in, okay, because here's what we often do. We go to Hebrews 10, 25, and we pull it out. We set it over here, okay? Can't do that, all right? So here's what we got to do. We got to go back to verse 19. And I want you to get the whole subject of what Paul is speaking about here. He said, therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, in other words, Matter of fact, Andrew just read it this morning. Our high priest, Jesus Christ, seated at the right hand of the Father, we can enter with confidence, absolute confidence, to the very throne of God himself. Entering only by way of the blood of Jesus Christ. Because, my dear friend, you don't, you don't enter there by your own merit. The only way that we're able to enter there is by the blood of Jesus Christ that has been applied to the very doorposts of our own heart and lives. And therefore, we can find ourselves at any moment, at any time, into the very throne room of God. So what Paul is saying there, since we have confidence to enter, that boldness to enter, that confidence to go... I go based on the blood of Jesus Christ himself, not my own merit. Because, my dear friend, there is not enough merit within me to enter with confidence into the very throne room of God. So verse 20, he says, By a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is his flesh, when Jesus Christ was crucified, when he cried, It is finished. At that moment in time when Jesus Christ gave up the ghost, the veil in the temple was rent from the top to the bottom. It was torn in two. So therefore, 
by this new and living way through the blood of Jesus Christ, we can now enter with confidence into the throne room of God. And so Paul goes on to say, verse 21, And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, Jesus Christ himself, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith. And let me ask you a question this morning. Do you have full assurance of your faith? Do you have the absolute confidence and the full assurance of your faith today? Or is there some question there in your own heart and life that I, I hope that I do. I, I, I want to think that I do. My dear friend, here's what Paul said. We can have this full assurance in our house. Why? Or in our hearts. Why? Because Jesus Christ has done it all for us. And so our confidence is in him, not in us. Why in the world would we put confidence in, 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 in ourselves when we had absolutely nothing to do with it? Only because of his grace and his mercy are you and I able to enter into the very throne room of God today. And so when we consider the magnitude of the subject here of Paul, as Paul deals with it, he is setting it up as you get to verse 25. But he says this in verse 22, Let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Look at verse 23, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. There's no need to waver. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Nothing has changed. We can put our absolute trust and confidence knowing that he has not changed. And are you ready for this? He's not going to change. For he, listen, if you don't do anything else, you ought to underline this verse, okay? This part of verse 23. For he who promised is what? Is faithful. He who's promised is faithful. Verse 24. And so, and let us consider how to stimulate one another. To what? To love and good deeds. In other words, how do we, how do we help encourage each other there? Is, is this thing a passion with me? It is. Let me tell you something. My, the burden on my heart and the desire in my heart is to see the church of God today having an influence in the areas where she exists. To know that the truth comes out of this place. To know that we stand on the very word of God itself. That the word of God is central to every single thing that we do. And understanding and realizing that Spiritual growth in a church is what is necessary apart from any numerical growth. And you've heard me talk about this before. Just because a church is growing numerically does not mean that it is a healthy spiritual church. To be growing spiritually, to be growing biblically in those things that God would have for us, to stimulate one another, to love and to good deeds or good works. That's what we ought to be doing is it encouraging each other. Hey, it's tough out there. We've got a, we've got a mandate that's come from God himself to carry the gospel to a lost and dying world, to be engaged, to be persevering through 
through no matter what happens or the difficulties that come our way even something like COVID to come to the other side realizing that that didn't catch God by surprise it wasn't something that just occurred to God that all of a sudden this thing just all of a sudden popped up and so now nobody knows what to do my dear friend listen to me the word of God is still the word of God Jesus Christ is still seated at the right hand of the father the throne room of God is still there God still knows what's going on people's lives are still being changed by the gospel today regardless of anything that we do there's something that can happen we, we, listen we can either be a part of it okay or we can just go sit at home I don't know about you but I want to be a part of it when I was in school playing sports I used to hate to be put on the bench anybody in here play sports in school and you'd get put on the bench sometimes okay how many of y'all like to go sit on the bench I don't want to sit on the bench tell you what I wanted to do I, want, I was watching some of that LSU baseball game watching these guys okay hit that ball over the fence and I'm thinking man you know what a feeling that must be to hit it over the fence to hit it clean out of the park my dear friend listen to me I don't want to sit on the bench I just don't want to be mediocre but I want us as a church to hit it out of the park that's what I want us to do so how does how does that how does that happen well let's keep reading verse 25 now Paul said all of that to get to verse 25 not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some and here he comes again with that encouraging okay notice what he says but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near I don't know about you I don't have many years left okay I know that every once in a while that thought goes across my mind I look back to the past and I look towards the future and I said there's more that's going in the past than I've got left in the future so what am I going to do with what I got left what am I going to do with what I've got left because it's coming to a close the only thing that's going to matter one day is what I've done for Jesus Christ at the end of the day all of this other back here it ain't going to account for anything but what I've done for Christ and so as I begin to think about my own life and evaluate that in my own life mm, that's a tough question to answer my question is are we doing more today than we were in the past in our lives are we doing more in serving Jesus Christ today in our lives than we did in the past let me just give you a, a few thoughts for yourself the Southern Baptist Convention currently today in this number depending on where what sites you go look at okay this number is going to be a little bit different because it's determined by whether or not they associate mission, churches, new church plants, and those type of things. But currently, right now, within the Southern Baptist Convention, we've got approximately 42,000 churches. 42,000. That's a lot of churches. 42,000 churches spread all across the country. 
And everybody would say, man, that's just, man, that is, that's wonderful. That's great. Well, let me give you the next side of that coin. As of last year, 75 to 80% of them have either plateaued or declining. That's where they are. And on top of all of that, here's what else is going to happen. Currently, right now, somewhere around 20% to 25% are closing their doors on an annual basis. So why? So what's happened? You know, what's, what's going on? 75 to 80% of the churches have either plateaued or declining. What's What's happening? And so let me tell you what that's done. That's led to a very important question. Specifically, what the church is and what it should look like. Have we done what's, what's been needed to bring the church to the place that it needs to be? And I will say this. The, the figures that I gave you for the Southern Baptist Convention, you go look, it's not just us. I mean, it goes across the board. And you say, well, what about new church plants? Well, I hate to tell you what, more new church plants are failing today than that are making it. So what does that mean? What does it say to us? Well, let me tell you what it's done. It's brought about discussions about the true versus the false. And it's, it's led to a deeper search of the true, of what the church should be. Now, I will say this to you this morning. Many have resigned themselves that the major problem with the church today, matter of fact, there are some who have determined what the major problem with the church is today, and here's what they basically have come to grips with. It's the result of cultural pressures. The pressures from the culture on the outside, we have allowed the pressures of the culture on the outside to basically dictate for us on the inside what we should do and should not do or what we should cater to and what we should not cater to or what we should be a part of and the other thing that that it has led to is this we have now turned it into more of a business adventure trying to get into understanding secular market uh, marketing strategies to try to come up with a means to grow the church in numerical number No wonder we see things where they are today. So where are we moved from? The purpose of evangelical churches today have moved away from glorifying God to glorifying programs and methods for rapid growth. That's where we are. Well, if you're not busting out of the seams, if you're not running in the thousands, okay, something's wrong. You got to go out there and bring them in. Really? This is not a listen. I'm going to say this to you. This, this is not a popular statement, but we need churches that are self-consciously distinct from the culture. I know it's not a popular statement, but it is the truth. So what, what goes from here? In other words, let me put it to you this way. The key indicator of success 
in a local New Testament church is not evident results that we can see by counting noses or by counting dollars, okay? Let me tell you something. I've seen God take a little, okay, and multiply it to the extent that there was no way you could explain the use of it apart from God himself. Let me tell you what we've done. We've gotten this thing backwards. We've, we've gotten this thing to the point that we think that we can bring about all of this ourselves the key indicator of success is not evident results but a persevering of biblical faithfulness it's a persevering of biblical faithfulness i mean that's 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 who we are many christians now see their faith only in terms of its effects on their lives not in its overall truthfulness. Not in its overall truthfulness. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe, do you believe this book? From Genesis to the book of the Revelation? I mean, do we, do we believe this book? That's, that's what it boils down to. This should be the central of all that we do. Everything that we do, whether it's, whether it's Sunday school teaching from the nursery all the way up through the adults, whether it's the music, whatever we do, the Word of God ought to be central to it. And it's not about my opinion up here. It's about thus saith the Lord. It's what he says in his Word, not my own personal opinion of it. I have been known, I will share that with you periodically, but I'll let you know. But what is important is what the Word of God says. As one church theologian writes, and this is a direct quote out of a book that he has written, and here's what he wrote. He said, The Word should be so central and so instrumental because the Word of God holds out the object of our faith to us it presents God's promise to us from all kinds of individual promises to the great promise the great hope the great object of our faith Christ himself you know the apostle Paul in writing his letters spoke about spiritual growth in a specific church I want us to I want you to go there turn with me to second Thessalonians chapter number one second Thessalonians chapter one Paul writing to the church at Thessalonica and I think we can find an ingredient in here that if we want to see our churches growing healthy and spiritually this is this is what it's going to entail this is what it's going to take all right I want you to notice 2 Thessalonians chapter number 1, verse 3 and verse 4. And I want you to notice as Paul writes here. He said, we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brethren, as is only fitting, because your faith is greatly enlarged. Your faith is enlarged. And the love of each one of you toward another 
grows even greater basically what paul is saying about the church at thessalonica we're watching you grow and guess what your faith is growing and your love toward each other let me tell you something as your faith grows your love toward one another grows as your love for the word of god grows so does your faith grow so does your love for one another grow it's a it's a building block it's it, it builds on each other and the word of god stands is that central focal point the word of God has got to be a part of our lives each and every day. Paul goes on to say in verse 4, Therefore, we ourselves speak proudly of you among the churches of God. For your, now I want you to notice, for their what? For their perseverance and faith in the midst of all your persecutions and afflictions which you endure. Let me tell you what he praised them for. For their faithfulness and their perseverance regardless of what was taking place they persevered they were faithful they stayed strong regardless of what was taking place so for us today as a church individually my dear friend how many of y'all have heard that old saying that the strength is only as strong as the weakest link huh let me ask you a question. What makes up a local church? Individuals. So what needs to happen? As gathered believers, we need to be growing spiritually. As we're growing spiritually, guess what you're going to see happen? The church is going to grow spiritually. As we grow spiritually and biblically, guess what's going to happen to the church? It's going to grow spiritually and biblically. That's the, way the, that's the way the process works. We should be growing in our faith individually. Matter of fact, Peter, even writing in his letter, said that we should be growing in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Growing, not grown, growing let me tell you what that word means it means every single day for the rest of our time we should be growing in the lord here's what paul said okay and i i would have thought anybody paul i figured paul knew all the answers uh, paul knew everything don't y'all believe that paul knew everything you know what paul said paul said i have not attained he said, every day I bring my body into subjection. Every single day. Was Paul learning and growing? He was. Was Paul growing every day? What allowed Paul to write these epistles from prison? What was it that allowed Paul to get up after he was just about stoned to death, get back up on his feet, brush the dust off of him, and tell the ones that were standing around him, hey, we're going back in for some more? Huh? I know life gets tough. I know things get difficult. I know sometimes we think that temptation and culture is just going to get the best of us. I know we've been through COVID. I know we've been through all of that. And I'll tell you this more. You don't know what a blessing it was to stand in that baptistry and baptize two more people. Listen, just because we have been through these, just because we experienced, God has not moved. God still desires for us today 
to be what he intends and what he's called for us to be. As we grow spiritually and biblically, the church will grow. And guess what? That growth comes from who? From us? Wrong answer. I hate to tell you this, but growth doesn't come from you. I know some of y'all looking at me strange. You say, well, how do you know that, Brother Robert? I'm glad you asked. Turn to 1 Corinthians. No better than to hear it from Paul's own handwriting. 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. See, here's where that, let me tell you what, I, I think this is where we've gotten to in the church. Now, unfortunately, we can't just go to verse 6, okay? We, we got to go ahead of there, okay? Starting in verse number 1, I want you to notice what Paul wrote, what he writes. Thy brethren could not speak to you as to spiritual men, but as to men of flesh is to infants in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not able to receive it. Indeed, even now you are not yet able, for you are still fleshly. For since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly? Are you not walking like mere men? And here's what he explains. Some of y'all are walking around saying, well, you know, I'm of Paul and I'm of Apollos. Then he asked a simple question. He said, wait a minute. He said, aren't you mere men? Aren't you mere men? Verse 5. Because he asked this question. He said, what then is Apollos? And what is Paul? And he gives you the answer. They're servants through whom you believed. Even as the Lord gave opportunity to each one. But now you come to verse number six. I planted. Apollos watered. I hope you don't miss this. You need to underline it. But God. You see that? Two words. But God. Who is bringing about the growth? It's okay, you can answer. God, thank you, okay. But God was causing the growth. But God was causing the growth. By now, if you don't know, I'm just going to share just one last thing with you in closing. There is no greater burden on my heart or vision that I believe is from God himself than to see our churches become spiritual, biblical, and healthy. I'm tired of seeing the percentages tired of hearing all of 
these reasons that we can come up with because I will tell you something if it was based solely on those reasons that I could understand but my dear friend God is still on the throne and are we persevering are we standing strong are we growing spiritually so here's what I'm going to do I'm going to challenge you this morning to this we as a local body of believers here to do this to start today to start today with our intent individually to grow spiritually let me tell you what that means and if you have never done it before then this is what you need to do you need to get into here and you need to spend time here I don't care how old you are this is where you need to be because how do we grow spiritually by feasting on the word of God spending time with him amen so here's what I'm going to ask you to do how many of you are tired of hearing the statistics 75 to 80 percent of the churches plateaued or declining 25 percent 20 to 25 percent are closing their doors you know, by the way, I'm not going to tell you the number of pastors that are walking out of the pulpits today going back to secular jobs. I refuse to quit. i tell you why. Because God is still on the throne. We're going to have a time of invitation. It's up to you. This is up to you, okay? Individually. Where do we want to see this local body come to? Father.